I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, it's time to say goodbye to two of the biggest comedies in history. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'll review the Charlize Theron-Seth Rogen rom-com Longshot. Plus... We'll have our weekly debrief on Game of Thrones. There are only two episodes left. But first... Game of Thrones is not the only series calling it quits this month. In fact, there are two very big series ending their runs. This Sunday will mark the end of the HBO comedy Veep. Leon, I'm still, I'm not sure about this part where I say I want to be president for all Americans. I mean, do I, you know, all of them? How about real Americans? Oh yeah, that's good. And then we can figure out what I mean later. The show's final season, its seventh, has been a victory lap, not only for the show, but for its star. It marked the triumphant return to television for arguably the medium's most talented female comic actor, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The show took a year off last year as she battled breast cancer. Twenty years ago, I would have bet the farm she'd go down in history as Elaine from Seinfeld. And don't get me wrong, that's a monumental achievement in itself. But she's done so much more since Seinfeld ended, including six Emmys for Veep. She's won for every season. We'll be shocked if she doesn't win this season as well. Seven seasons is a perfect run for a show like this. It's heavily serialized and they take big swings, so if it went any longer, it would run the risk of getting too ridiculous. JLD gets most of the glory, but this show has a very deep bench of comic talent, including Anna Klumski, Tony Hale, Reed Scott, Timothy Simons, Matt Walsh, Gary Cole, Kevin Dunn, and Sam Richardson. It's been a joy having Veep in my life, and I am going to miss that one. I'll have to start watching Veep. You're in for something good. you got seven seasons of greatness ahead of you. Weirdly enough, though, I think I'll miss this other series even more simply because it's been around a lot longer. It's the Big Bang's final season, and you're going to want to see it all. That's what you're sleeping in? You want me to take it off? Only ten episodes are left, and nothing makes sense anymore. My wife kept trying to have sex with me. Been there. Who will win the battle of the sexless? Let me read my comic book. Big Bang's final ten countdown starts CBS next Thursday. That was nine weeks ago, and in fact, this Thursday, May 16th, will be the series finale for The Big Bang Theory, 276 episodes over 12 seasons. To put that in perspective, George W. Bush was president when this show began, and we famously predicted in September of 2007 that this show would never see 2008, and we've never been more wrong in our lives. Yeah, the canceled by Christmas thing is often a lock, but not in this case. Jim Parsons was a breakout star as Uber nerd Sheldon, and if you look back to where this show was in season one. They've really come a long way, which is, of course, the nature of long-running shores, or shows, rather. The four main guys were all nerdy. They couldn't get girls at the beginning or even talk to them properly. Now, three of them are married, two of them have kids, one of them's been to space. Howard, the most loathsome of the foursome in the early years, checks all those boxes and somehow has become the most well-rounded character on the show. That's an impressive magic trick they snuck in there over the course of the series, but the best thing they ever did was adding more women to the cast. Slowly but surely, Kate Kaylee Cuoco became more than just a hot neighbor, and Melissa Rauch and Mayim Bialik rounded out a trio that was more often than not the most entertaining part of any given episode. Big Bang Theory was never my favorite show, and it threw up a lot of groaners over the year, but as far as as far as I was concerned, but it's become, I think, like my number one comfort show. It's just a good weekly hang in a world I've grown into over the past 10 years, so I'm sorry to see it go. A one-hour finale on Thursday, followed by Young Sheldon, and then a one-hour special hosted by Johnny Galecki. So that's the TV stuff this week, and that's two huge shows. That really puts a hole in the the TV landscape next year. But uh, there's also some movie news this week. A lot of upcoming movies were announced, in some cases some big movies being delayed. And it's all courtesy of Disney. 
for. Now that The Mouse owns 20th Century Fox in its slate, Disney put out a schedule that looks ahead all the way to 2027. There are a lot of holes in the later year, but the schedule mostly looks like this. Untitled Marvel movie, <laughs> untitled Pixar movie, <laughs> untitled Star Wars movie, repeat, repeat, repeat. They have got all that stuff. The most interesting thing on the schedule, of course, are these four Avatar sequels currently in production, all of which have now been delayed again. We won't see the first one until December 17th, 2021, if this holds up. We were expecting it next year. And then the three movies after that will follow every second year until we get to 2027. As for this year, Avengers Endgame will be, you know, enough for Disney to rule the world, but they're not stopping there. They're poised for a summer string of other blockbusters, including Aladdin, Toy Story 4, and The Lion King. Not to mention, they've got the streaming service Disney Plus coming out in the fall. So we have got a lot of Disney ahead of us. Yeah, and it's, it was interesting when I looked at it, it kind of hit me like, oh, Dark Phoenix, that's right. Yeah, the the Fox movies are now Disney yeah. movies, and they, they moved the New Mutants to next April. That's a movie that's been bumped a whole bunch of times. Is that and an I X-Men think, thing? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think it's part of the X-Men world. And it, it was originally going to be like a horror kind of movie, and I don't yeah. know, I don't even know what direction they're going now. They've got until next spring to figure that out. And did you notice Ad Astra? We had that. Oh, in was that pre- in there? We had that okay. in our May movie preview. That was the big question mark. Right. I, d- I didn't even notice it in there. Yeah. That's so. Now that has been rescheduled for September twentieth. I, I would also now that they do have the X Men, it's going to be the end of every Marvel movie going forward. Everybody waiting for like uh, Wolverine to show up or something like that. You think? I think so. How could they not? Well, I liked First Class. I thought Days from Future Past. Is that what it was Days called? Days of Future Past. I can't remember. Uh, See? That's the impression that leaves on you. Yeah, that movie was cool. Apocalypse was terrible. And this new one has been has endured shot or shoots and reshoots and test group after test group. And the reviews have all been bad. So moving into the summer, they I, I wonder if they're kind of hoping it tanks so that they can just put that particular yeah. chapter of the X-Men to bed and start over. Start over, and I think they're going to start over Fantastic Four again. And so, yeah, I don't know. Now that they sort of own everything, finally, who knows what they'll do. Now, this next one is interesting because it's not on the D- Disney schedule, even though it's a Marvel movie, but that's because it's a Sony movie. Oh. The latest trailer dropped for Spider-Man Far From Home. You gonna be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. Oh. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work. Because I am going on vacation. Heads up. Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Answer Fury. The phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. This movie looks cool. It does look good. I was very excited to see it. I will not watch this trailer again, though. No? I can't bear to keep getting, not spoilers, but to watch the trailers too much, and then it takes it away from the movie for me. And this trailer is chock full of Endgame spoilers. If you've not seen Endgame, do not seek out this Spider-Man trailer in full. Yeah, and even at the beginning of the video, well, at least at the beginning of the official Sony trailer release, there's a video from uh, Tom Holland, is that his name, Spider-Man? And he says, if you haven't seen Endgame, don't watch this. I'm warning you, there are huge spoilers in this. So they've (laughs) clearly tailored this trailer for those who have seen Avengers Endgame, because the events that are reflected in this film are directly 
correlated with what happened in Endgame. So yeah, the way that it comes together looks cool. Jake Gyllenhaal, he was originally potentially going to play Spider-Man when Tobey Maguire was a potential nay in returning. Hmm. So Jake Gyllenhaal was, I guess, next in line. So it's kind of cool. That he's now involved. You don't like Jake Gyllenhaal, though, right? I, I go hot and cold on Jake Gyllenhaal. I really like him in a few things, like uh, the um, David Fincher movie Zodiac. Okay. And also uh, Brokeback Mountain he's really good in, and probably a couple other ones that aren't jumping to mind right now. So I, I'm willing to give him a shot in this. I think usually if I really, if I like the movie, period, I don't mind him. So we'll see. And I'm also curious because they're, they're introducing Mysterio as a heroic character, but Mysterio has always been a bad guy. Oh, in the Spider-Man right. comics, so I don't know if they're just going to go with him as a good guy the whole way through, or if there's going to be some sort of swerve at the end. Or, or he's faking it. Yeah, either he's faking it, or something happens to him that drives him to go bad. But he looks like he's got all sorts of cool powers. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I'm really excited that they've gone big budget on this. Like the The first one obviously had cool effects, but it was a much smaller story, but it looks like they've gone bigger, which is cool because Spider-Man is so out of his element in fighting these big, colossal monsters. So there you go, the new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, and that is out in July. Right. Correct? Sure. Okay. It's too soon. That's what I thought when I saw this. I was like, you know what? After Endgame, they should have gone at least half a year without anything else. Really? I think so. Just because it, there was like a finality to the Endgame story and that should have just let that sit for a while. July 5th, 2019, Spider-Man Far From Home. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video. Ooh, I see something here that you're going to be excited about. We'll get into that in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to take a look right now at what's coming home on home video this week. The whole Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. That's a clip from Apollo 11, the documentary movie starring Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Mike Collins as themselves, the heroic astronauts who made the first mission to land on the moon possible in... 50 years ago this year, I think, in 1969. That's why this movie came out. Uh, and it's just a straight documentary. There are no talking heads. There's no narration. It's just uh, live video and audio, like real video and audio of the control center and the from the spaceship of them going to the moon and landing on the moon. It was a fascinating watch. Watch. I saw it in theaters. I gave it a 5 out of 5. The sectional, our highest honor. It is definitely something, if you have any interest in space whatsoever, you need to watch this. I think I'm going to buy it next week. I regret not going to see it in theater, but there were there was, there was a glut of movies that came out all at once that I wanted to see, yeah. and I don't think I ended up seeing any of them. Uh, and I've since been to see Avengers Endgame twice. Fell asleep, by the way, the Whoops. second time I saw Endgame. I went on a Friday afternoon at the end of my work day and I went to uh, Landmark Cinemas with the reclining chairs and after I inhaled my popcorn I crashed hard and I uh, started to doze off. I actually had to get up and leave. Really? And come back. I just needed to get out of the theater and walk around. Refill that popcorn? No, I did not refill the popcorn. should have. I think you can only refill the large. Oh, well, why Can you refill the regular? How would I know? Who buys a regular popcorn? (laughs) I buy a regular popcorn. Really? The I, large is... You, I, I get the large with my girlfriend, and we split it, and it's fine. And if I go by myself, I still get the large, and I wolf it all down, and, I'm, and it's fine. Do you ever go and get a refill? I did. Uh, a long shot, which I'm going to review later. I did go to get a refill in that, and it took forever. I think I missed, like, two full scenes of that movie. Oh, but, my God. But, yeah. Okay. 
It well, was a free bag of popcorn. You got to do it. <laughs> okay, what else is coming out? Uh, the Upside, starring Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. That is, it made over $100 million. That's a surprise hit of the year. It wasn't bad. I saw it. It's, it's a pretty good renter, actually, if you're looking for something. And uh, there's that horror movie, Greta, starring Isabelle Huppert and Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh, yeah. And then on Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday, Cold Pursuit, Liam Neeson, where it's uh, like the revenge movie where he's the ice road trucker guy, the snowplow, Mr. Plow, Mr. Kill. Plow. That's right. Yeah, that, that movie looked good. It got good yeah, reviews. So that but, might be a decent render, too, on Tuesday. Yeah, Liam Neeson uh, renters often are good stuff. Hey, I finally started watching the latest nature documentary oh. with narrator Sir David Attenborough. This is the story of our changing planet. we can do to help it thrive. Our Planet on Netflix. David Attenborough is the narrator of the Planet Earth and Blue Planet series. Jeff, I remember when you went out and got the Planet Earth yep. uh, Blu-rays or DVDs. what DVDs. DVDs. Season one, yeah, it was years ago. That was like a decade ago. I never did actually see the first season of that or Blue Planet, but I did watch the second seasons when they aired on BBC Earth. And this is another marvelous achievement in just extraordinary footage of nature from this same production team. Four years in the making, was filmed in 50 countries and over 600 crew members took part in the production and at times it starts to feel like more of the same but it's not because this documentary is specifically geared towards showing how humanity is kind of hurting the planet and how all of the things that we do to help humans and not necessarily i guess not necessarily help humans often ends up hurting animals and nature there were elements of that in the Planet Earth and Blue Planet documentaries, but this is way more heavy-handed in its approach. Like, they, instead of saying, oh, and by the way, this might change, they go out of their way to start something by saying, here's what we're doing yeah. that's hurting these animals, and then we look and see what those animals are like. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a, still a gorgeous documentary with all kinds of spectacular mesmerizing visuals but you just can't help I found at least I couldn't help but feel guilty while I watched it simply for being a human being there's a particularly devastating scene in the second episode it's in Russia and they're focusing in this particular scene on walruses historically these walruses find themselves some sea ice to hang out on to raise their young but that ice is dwindling to the point where they have to move up onto land and the land they have access to is small so you see just as far as the eye can see walruses just crawling over top of each other uh, because they don't have any room so they end up going places they shouldn't these big rocky cliffs And walruses, as you know, are not small or nimble creatures. They're big and they're slow on land. And so they they climb up these steep cliffs. And when they realize that, okay, I've gone up this steep cliff. Now I have to make my way back down. The camera catches them as some of them try to go back down, but gravity is their enemy. The incline is too steep, and you can just sit. You have to just sit in horror and watch as these walruses plummet to their death. And the filmmakers even said this is the worst thing I've ever had to film. And it's not like they went in looking for it; they just happened to catch it. Like they were just filming these walruses, and then to their horror, while they were doing this, they realized, "Oh my God, we're going to watch these walruses die." And it's one of the most difficult things I've ever had to watch. It's 
tragic. It's awful, but I think it's important that they included it because it's the kind of thing the world kind of thing the world needs to see. Like I'm not going to get on some kind of environmental soapbox here. I'll just say that watching this documentary makes me sad to think about all of the animal life that's been lost over the years and how much more we could continue to lose if things don't change. But it's not all doom and gloom. We get to see so many animals that we've never seen before up close and personal with their interesting and bizarre rituals. It's just the kind of stuff that you can't even dream up. So I just sat with childlike wonder watching these shows. I've got one more episode to watch, which includes a bonus hour-long making of episode at the end of the eighth and final episode. So I'd say check it out. I watch these things and I always think, you know, if I were a bird, I would never mate because the trouble they go through, I just couldn't be bothered. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my God, how who's and they move in every little blade of grass around the little area so it looks nice and stuff and do the little dance and sing a song. Well, you know what? In a moment, I'll offer you uh, just one quick thought on one of the rituals and then uh, we'll move into the long shot review. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Before we move further with this week's movie review from Jeff, just want to quickly touch on, once again, Our Planet, that documentary from Netflix that debuted back in early April, and we were talking about the weird things you mentioned, the the, the, the work, birds. The, the birds. The mating dance. It's crazy how much work that these birds do. Yeah. They show one bird that has to basically clear the dance floor. Yeah. It's in the rainforest, and it, (laughs) it goes and it picks up every loose piece of debris that is on the the ground in its near vicinity so that it has room to do its well first because it has to be clean right so that it can attract the females and then it has to give him room to do his little dance and then he proceeds to do this dance where he's he's he flips from branch to branch to branch to branch to branch to branch so much work and then there's another bird where it's it's a team effort where one bird is the suitor, but this bird needs two or maybe it was three of his buddies to help out. And they do this dance where it's it's almost like a shell game where one hops up and then goes to the back of the line as the other two move forward. And they keep doing this for a couple of minutes. And then finally, when the female bird grants permission, the, the bird jumps on her back and like... It's over. Wow. It, and the, <laughs> the bird jumps on the back for not even a second, and I was, I'm was i looking at my friend as we're watching this, and I say, is that it? Like, all that work for that? So, yeah, good point on the birds. Ugh. They do a lot of work for very little. And then they show... They're, they show these fish. Uh, I can't remember what kind of fish it was and what lake it was in, but this fish is going around collecting all of the shells that are nearby and just building up a pile of shells because the more shells that you have, the more attractive it is for the females because the females are small enough that they can actually go into the shells and lay their eggs. Oh. And they show these two rival fish trying to build these pot, these piles of shells, and uh, one of them is a thief. So Stealing the from the other fish. The, yeah, the one fish oh. had had the bigger pile and while he was going out to get other shells the thief stole all of his shells ended up with the bigger pile and got all the ladies i feel like that's a metaphor for life somehow the, the hard-working fish the nice guy finished last oh my gosh in this case anyway just fascinating stuff yeah. to watch in uh, our planet now you went to see a movie this week i did go see a movie this week it's called long shot hi hey. i hear you have a crush on me i do <laughs> kind of crush on you too you want to dance with me? It's a dope song. The Secretary of State flirted with you tonight. I like him. Why? It's probably weirder to me than it is to you. <laughs> the optics of you and Fred would be like Kate Middleton dating this potato in a teal windbreaker. 
I mean, I was gonna, I was thinking of zipping this up all the way, like to here. Long shot in theaters May 3rd. I actually own a teal windbreaker. Really? Yeah. You would fit right in with this movie. It stars, of course, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen, directed by Jonathan Levine, who previously directed Rogen in the movies 50-50 and The Night Before, two excellent films. And Longshot is their latest excellent collaboration. Not a lot of rom-coms out there anymore, which is too bad, and also it makes the good ones all the more special. Now, Rogen is very Rogen-y in this movie, as he is in all movies, although we often only think of him in terms of his laugh and his potty mouth, but the truth is he can deliver the sweet, heartfelt stuff as well, and he does, and of course it helps that he's acting with Charlize Theron, who despite her now more than two decades of success is still somehow underrated, I feel. To be fair, she has done a lot of crappy movies over the year, but I would wager big money that she is not the problem with any of those movies. Personally, I've been enjoying a little uh, Charlie's Renaissance the past few years. In 2015, there was Mad Max Fury Road. That is her movie, even though her name ain't Max. 2017 had The Fate of the Furious, so a fun turn for her as the bad guy in the movie. That is somehow less bonkers than Mad Max, but much sillier. And then last year, there was Tully, a dramatic turn with an even more dramatic twist, a little gem that I highly recommend, and now Longshot. Did you see Atomic Blonde? I did not. That was uh, 2017. Great action. She was tremendous in that. Movie was lacking in its substance, but it was definitely stylish, and she is like a rock star in that. See? She can do pretty much anything at this point. And now Longshot's a pretty simple story. Theron plays the Secretary's Secretary of State for the U.S., and she's thinking about making a run for president. Rogan plays a newspaper writer recently unemployed. Turns out she used to be his babysitter. They meet at a party, they get reacquainted, then she hires him to be one of her speechwriters to humanize her a bit as she gears up for that presidential run. Then they fall in love, and it's called Longshot, of course, because she's smoking hot and he's a super schlubby guy. Honestly, though, it doesn't feel like that much of a long shot because they have terrific chemistry and you're immediately rooting for them. And he helps her loosen up and she helps him learn to look like an adult, get a better jacket than just that windbreaker. There are a lot of very funny bits. And believe me when I tell you this movie is not for kids or anyone who has an aversion to dirty jokes, including possibly the dirtiest joke I've seen since Stifler made all sorts of hay with every bodily fluid and solid imaginable. Think there's something about Mary, but more realistic. It's very gross, and I'm actually going to dock this movie half a cushion for it. Wow. I still like a dirty joke, but I could have done with a little less in this movie. And some of the jokes actually sort of fell flat as well. But I did laugh a lot, and I also welled up with emotion. This movie strikes just the right tone with both the ROM and the COM parts. The supporting cast is great. O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays Rogan's rich friend, and he has a fun energy there. June Diane Raphael, comic actress and one-third of the hilarious How Did This Get Made podcast crew, plays Theron's top advisor and has a lot of funny business and a lot of funny reactions especially in the scene and you'll know it when you see it with Ravi Patel who plays Theron's other advisor good stuff from everyone involved but of course like I say it's the chemistry between Theron and Rogan that really make this movie and I don't know that I've quite seen Theron in a movie like this she has done comedy before she had this little arc in the third season of Arrested Development 15 years ago and she was hilarious in that but that was you know complete and utter unhinged lunacy and this is a little more realistic she shines in it, and I'll say it again, for being a famous movie star who's critically beloved, Charlize Theron is still underrated. If you are looking for a fun night out, definitely go see Longshot. Four couch cushions out of five. Four couch cushions out of five for Longshot. And just looking at Charlize Theron's filmography at IMDb, it looks like there is an Atomic Blonde 2 oh. that's going to be made. I remember, I think the first movie that I saw her in 
Devil's well, Advocate. Two Days in the Valley. I missed that one. But yeah, that came out, I think, the year before. 1996. Yeah, The Devil's Advocate was 1997. We'll get to The Devil's Advocate in a second. But Two Days in the Valley was a movie. Just looking at... Oh, my God. I forgot about the cast of this. Danny Aiello, Jeff Daniels, Terry Hatcher was in this. Jer- uh, James Spader. Right. Uh, Raymond Redmond from uh, The Blacklist. Eric Stoltz. Ultron. That's right, Ultron. This was a movie, Two Days in a Valley was, uh, it was basically trying to catch on to the Pulp Fiction craze. Its tagline was literally more more pulp than Pulp Fiction. Was it really? That was in the ads, yeah. Come on. That's why I remember this movie. I was like, oh, because it was, it was that thing where all of a sudden there was, every year is like 20 Tarantino clone movies out there. Okay, yeah, and 48 hours of intersecting lives and crimes in Los Angeles. But I remember Charlize Theron being the standout in that, and I think it's just because I didn't know she was, and she had so much charisma. Yeah. Uh, so that's a movie that I kind of want to revisit. And then The Devil's Advocate. So you, have you seen The Devil's Advocate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves is pretty bad in that movie. <laughs> that's, that's a famous that uh, podcast I mentioned, the How Did This Get Made podcast. They make fun of bad movies. They do a Devil's Advocate episode. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I like the movie though. Uh, it's fun. It's very fun, especially because of, because of Al Pacino, because he's just wild over the top Al Pacino, which can be very entertaining. Yeah, it's uh, and she was she was pretty good in it. I think she she was still a little. On the younger, inexperienced side, and she kind of overplayed it too. And that might have just been the director, but Keanu Reeves is—I love Keanu Reeves, but he is not the best actor no. there is. And I thought he was kind of terrible in that movie. Well, there's a thing with him, guys like him and Vin Diesel. You just gotta—if you put them in the right role, it's awesome. Yeah. But if you put them in the wrong role, it's travesty. Yeah. But Charlize Theron, as you pointed out, is great in virtually everything that she does. She was in. Uh, Oh my God! Do you remember a movie called Reindeer Games? Yeah, only because of that podcast. Also, does that one? <laughs> That's a Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. I forgot that she was in that movie. Lieutenant Dan's in it too, right? Uh, L- Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Uh, I uh, see, I call people by their character names when I can't remember their real names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on a second, Lieutenant Dan. Uh, just give me a second, Lieutenant. Dan. People are screaming at their radios oh. right now. Is it? I'm thinking. Is it Gary Sinise? Yes, Gary Sinise. Okay, yeah. I did because I, 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 I was thinking that, but I don't see his name on this. Uh, Ron Jeremy was in Reindeer Games. My gosh, I've seen that guy's name pop up in credits where I haven't seen him in the movie, and I was like, "Is there two guys named Ron Jeremy? Maybe because <laughs> the one of them's you know usually pretty noticeable." Yeah, Ron Jeremy is a short, fat, little bald guy. Yeah, yeah, who's packing some heat in uh, <laughs> other other spots. But uh, yeah, so Charlie. Anyway, sorry, we're just kind of Mighty Joe Young. I never did see that. She's a uh, really good Cider House Rules. That's a very good movie. That's one of my favorites. I figured just looking at that, I, th- I was thinking the Cider House Rules. I bet you Jeff's seen the Cider House Rules, and I so bet you best picture now loves it. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah, and then Michael Caine won for it, and so did John Irving, the author. Okay, so there you go. Four couch cushions out of five for a long shot. Up next, Game of Thrones. Only two episodes left. How was the latest episode? Find out. Well, you already know, because we know you already watched it. (laughs) You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Only two episodes left. have won the great war now we will win the last war 
So, episode four, the 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 fallout from the Battle of Winterfell, which was just a crazy episode. And I think for this segment, we were we were diplomatic last week. We yeah. didn't do spoilers. But realistically, do you think anybody who really wants to watch Game of Thrones has not seen it by no, now? No, I don't. And, and so, spoiler warning, because here come the spoilers. Yeah. So, this episode, fourth episode of the final episode, only six episodes in total, two episodes left, the last of the Starks. I, I saw some people complaining about it, saying it was slow. I thought it was great. I thought it was fine too. I like that they were sort of getting back to the intrigue and uh, before the Battle of Winterfell they were all saying well we'll worry about that later and now they're starting to worry about stuff. Yeah, because now they have to figure out who is going to sit on the Iron Throne because you still have Cersei Lannister to contend with and the Iron Fleet and the Golden Company and it was I, I think it maybe delivered the biggest oh my god moment of the series. With the dragon? For me, yeah, when Rhaegal went down. I mean, I guess when Viserion went down, too, that was a stunner. But that was almost to be expected because they went into battle. Whereas when Rhaegal went down, it was just this happy, we're flying, yeah. the music was uplifting, everyone was smiling, Rhaegal was getting better from after his wounds, which he suffered in the Battle of Winterfell, which we weren't even sure if he had survived. <clears throat> so it was cool to see Oh, that. that's the one that crash-landed, right? Yeah, we didn't know, did he did he make it? Well, uh, But then he, he takes the spear in the chest. And I thought, and I, I blurted out loud, oh my God. And then he took another two, I think, including one that the went one through that his throat or his, his head. head off, yeah. And I uh, went plummeting into the, the water and I thought, oh my God, it was so gut-wrenching. That sea battle was pretty great though. Like that will have cost a lot of money. That's where the expense for that episode surely went. So I thought that was, I was impressed with, it was like, ooh, they're doing stuff on boats for real. That looks neat. Yeah, when they were using the the dragon scorpion guns yeah. or whatever they call them and shooting them at the at the ships and seeing the destruction they caused when they were just those spears just going right through the ships. That was really scary stuff. And th- so that was a genuine surprise. I did not expect that. Uh, I thought that Nor the did battle Tyrion and the dragons. Yeah, and it <laughs> Once again, the Tyrion and Co are completely outsmarted by Cersei and her gang. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I now, have a feeling that the the battle for the Iron Throne is going to be won in this fifth episode, and then the six will be decided. Like they will decide who sits on the throne, and I'm hoping that the Bran reveal. It's the Bran, the Bran Night King reveal has to come. They certainly have to. I thought we were going to get a whole episode about just Bran at some point, and I, get, I think there's too much to wrap up that with two episodes left, they can't even do that, which is fine with me because I've never been terribly interested in that part of it at all. But yeah, they certainly have some explaining to do. Do you think? God, he's boring though. Just sits there and he talks in monotone, and it just talks about. I'm not interested in that. I was like, well, why are you on my TV? Well, and that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> do you, do you think that they would spend so much time on this yeah. character and then? Not say anything about yeah, it? Yeah, they can't. Yeah. Or, I don't know, or that'll just go down in history as like, that was the one weird storyline that just had was, was wasting our time. Yeah, well, that would it would be so frustrating if that was the case. And I frankly, since Hodor died, I just couldn't care less about anything Brandis. I've been reading wild fan theories, oh, sure. articles on... Is Rhaegal not dead, or is Bran going to resurrect... Rhaegal somehow because they go out of their way in the in the trailer for the fifth episode of someone saying to Euron Greyjoy is the dragon dead did you see it die well I saw it fall Fall into into the the water 
And I thought, well, that's a weird thing to include. And then they that's show true. another scene where Euron is looking up to the sky, and he looks shocked. Yes. Like, he's, he doesn't look happy. He's not thrilled, like, hey, I can, here's another dragon I get to kill. So what is he looking up at? So I don't know. I don't know if it'll it could be, be great at all. I sort of thought after they shot that dragon, I was like, well, that sort of makes sense only because if she's got two dragons... It's not a fair fight. You know what I mean? Like it's like, oh, they're getting rid of one of the dragons, so the battle will be a little bit more interesting. Yeah, because now they can they can aim all their. If they had two, <laughs> they could at least split their forces and come at them from different sides. Uh, but now they can focus all their guns on the one. But now that she's lost a dragon, yep. she's lost her love, yep. Jon Snow. She lost her friend Missandei. She's going crazy. You think she's going to be the she's Mad start, Queen? She's starting to get it's starting to show. So uh, I think they will do something with that. So now at this point, are we done with Tormund, Sam, and Bronn? Looks that way. That's well, kind of a Bron, Bron's a wild card, of course, because yeah, he said he, he's waiting for to collect oh, his bounty. I've when he came back, that was just great. I forgot, like that guy put so there's just so much energy jumps into the scene when Bron's around. That there's like he should be he should not have been cut out to the extent he has this season. He always has the best dialogue, yeah, and he delivers it so flawlessly and effortlessly. He might be the most charismatic person on that show. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, we're still waiting for the the so-called throwdown between the Hound and the Mountain, the the hype match or whatever they call it. Time to get hype (laughs) for that. And he referenced he's going to King's Landing because he's got unfinished business. Got to assume he's going to get his brother and uh, I guess die. And we'll keep an eye open for uh, more uh, Starbucks merch in the next episode as well. That was awesome. I missed that completely. I can't believe that blows my mind. That's that may be my favorite thing on TV all year. Is that it's like there's just the much ballyhooed and hyped Game of Thrones and all the care and effort they put into that. And there's just a cup on the table. Only two episodes <laughs> left. The debriefs shall continue for the next couple of weeks. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.